Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, folks. We are back from a wonderful, crazy week at Catalyst. And I tell you what, 13,000 individuals showed up Thursday and Friday to hear from the likes of Dave Ramsey, Jim Collins, Andy Stanley, the list goes on and on, Mark Driscoll. You know, it was powerful. Francis Chan ended up, we did a, a nighttime event. It was beautiful. Our, our labs on Wednesday, 2,200 people sold out to come in and listen to keynote leaders in every aspect of society. And the fun thing about this is this will be our 12th year where we have done this, and every year on average 60% of the attendees are brand new. They've never been part of the Catalyst Conference. This is a movement that started a decade ago and has just continued to grow. I'm going to be doing a review this week called an, an outside, outside or inside-out perspective of the Catalyst movement. I think it's going to be exciting. I got a lot of perspective myself, hung with Dalton uh, for a week, had an awesome time uh, as, we, as we helped facilitate one of the most beautiful events for leadership that has ever been created. Nobody dreamed 12 years ago that this would grow into an international movement like it has. And uh, it was a wonderful time, very few injuries. I did run a fork truck over my foot, uh, but everything is cool, so no big deal there. But today we're back in John's book, Success 101, What Every Leader Should Know. How skilled am I in my work to hit the mark, aim above it? You know, this this year's catalyst was was... The theme was to be present, and as I spent the, the, or I should say as I invested the last six, seven days, I started reevaluating my own life from a business standpoint. I've already been working on this in a personal standpoint, but I just wanted to get something deeper. It's like, where should I be headed? What, what, knowing I'm already on my purpose in life, how can I hit the mark? How can I aim above it? I started looking at things, and as I drove back home, started drifting some, drafting some, some ideas. You know, how can I serve more people? I feel very limited in the amount of people that I'm serving, and I want to serve more people. How can I do that and at the same time make sure my wife and my family are my top priority? It's going to be fun. You guys get to be a part of that because you're everyday listeners listening to the show. John starts this chapter out in a very unique way because he talks about a hero of mine, Ben Franklin. He says, Ben Franklin always thought of himself as an ordinary citizen. One of, one of 17 children, Franklin was the son of a tradesman, a candle maker who was far from wealthy. He experienced a typical childhood. He attended school for only two years, and at age 12, he apprenticed to his brother in the printing trade. Franklin worked hard and lived a simple life, governing his actions according to a set of 13 virtues upon which he graded himself daily. At age 20, he started his own printing company. Had Franklin been content to work at his own trade, his name would have had little more than a footnote in Philadelphia's history. Yet he lived an extraordinary life. He was one of the fathers of American independence and a great leader of an emerging nation. He co-authored the Declaration of Independence, and he later helped write the Treaty of Paris, and the Constitution of the United States. Matter of fact, he was 
the only man who signed all three documents. And he was selected to perform a difficult and dangerous secret diplomatic mission to Paris during the war to secure military and financial support for the revolution. What gave, now this is interesting, what gave a northern tradesman, we'd call him Yankee, the opportunity to exert so much influence among the wealthy, predominantly southern landholders, we call them rebels, who headed the War of Independence. John says, I believe it was Franklin's incredible competence. See, Franklin excelled at everything he touched for seven decades. When he started his own printing business in 1726, people believed Philadelphia could not support a third printer, but yet Franklin quickly established a reputation as the most skilled and industrious printer in town. But the Philadelphia tradesman wasn't content with only that accomplishment. Franklin's mind was curious, and he continually sought ways to improve himself and others. He expanded into publishing. His works included the noted Poor Richard's Almanac. He did extensive experiments with electricity and coined many of the terms still associated with its use. He invented numerous items such as the pot-bellied stove, the catheter, and bifocals. And when he traveled frequently across the Atlantic Ocean, he took it upon himself to chart the Gulf Stream. His attitude towards life could be seen in all the alpha I can't say that word, in everything that he wrote in his, in his almanac. One thing that he wrote, he said, Hide not your talents, for they for use were made. What a sundial, what's a sundial in the shade? I thought, man, that's unique right there. You can't use a sundial if it's in the shade, neither can you use your talents. The evidences of Franklin's talents were many. He helped establish Philadelphia's first library. He started the nation's first fire department. He developed the concept of daylight savings time, and he held many posts serving the government. For the most part, Franklin was recognized for his ability. But sometimes he had to let his competence speak for itself. During a time when he was working on improvements in agriculture, he discovered that plaster made grains and grasses grow better, but he had a difficult time convincing his neighbors about the discovery. His solution? When spring arrived, he went to a field close to a path, dug out some letters into the dirt with his hands, put plaster into the ruts, and then sowed seed over the whole entire area. As people passed their way the following weeks, they could see green letters growing brighter than the rest of the field. They simply said, this has been plastered. People got the message. I found that story intriguing. First of all, I love Benjamin Franklin. He wasn't the most perfect individual, wasn't the most articulate, had very little education. But he aimed higher than his target. What I found unique is when we founded this country, it was founded on abilities, on talent, on the future. Today we've become a country of lackadaisical individuals that are told, go get higher education instead of following your dreams. I'm not against higher education, so don't get me wrong here. 
But instead of apprenticing, instead of going and finding something that a person can be good at, whether it's a doctor, an attorney, a physician, whatever, go to school, go to school, go to school, go to school, go into debt. And the reason I bring this up is because I know so many businessmen who never followed their education. It wasn't their dream. I see so many people today make excuses on why they fail. They want to bitch and moan and blame somebody else. And yet I watched 15,000 leaders, mostly under the age of 40, show up at a conference to say, we want to change the world, starting with our little hometown. So how do we get there? What do we got to do? We got to raise our level of competence. John gives us some things that we can use if we really want to cultivate the quality of our life, quali- qu- uh, uh, cultivate the quality of other people's lives. Number one, we've got to show up every day. In other words, we've got to be present. See, that's funny because one of the myths that are out there that people like to, to grab a hold of is all things come to him who waits. John says this, unfortunately, sometimes it's just the leftovers from the people who got there first. See, we can't wait. I hear Christians all the time. I'm waiting on God. God's going to reveal to me what I'm supposed to do. All they got to do is pick up the Bible and read it. I used to think I understood what they meant with that until I started reading some of John's stuff. And it's, it's like, you know, that's a cop-out. That's an indeci- indecision is the decision. I'm, I'm not going to take the risk of following through because I might make a mistake. You see, God tells us to go out to change the world. I'm not talking about just missionaries. I'm talking about what we're supposed to do as individuals. We're supposed to be working as into him. We're supposed to be focused on what our, our purpose is, our mission is in life. Why aren't we doing that? John says responsible people show up when they're expected, but highly competent people take it a step further. They don't show up in body only. They come ready to play every day, no matter how they feel, what kind of circumstances they face, or how difficult they expect the game to be. They're not sitting back waiting. They're going to go face the music, just like our forefathers did. See, when you look at every man and woman in history, from Mother Teresa to Chester Proler, the most decorated man in World War II, they didn't wait. They went out and started changing the world. We lost Steve Jobs last week, the founder of Apple. Steve didn't wait around for other people. He didn't set back when they ousted him from his own company. He was constantly on the go, focused forward, and in the 21st century, may be one of the single individual people that has more patents and inventions under his name than even Ben Franklin. Because he wanted to change people's lives, and he created devices, appliances, as we call them, to do that. Number two, keep improving. Like Steve Jobs and Benjamin Franklin, all highly competent people continue to search for ways to keep learning, growing, and improving. They do that by asking why. After all, the person who knows how will always have a job, but the person who knows why 
will always be the boss. It's funny, when I read that, I was thinking back to Catalyst. There's a handful of us, five or six, that facilitate the movement of over 325 volunteers for five days. Five or six people that are that are controlling the volunteers, 15 people that are on staff. So you figure 20 people overall facilitate 325 volunteers who facilitate the movement of 15,000 people. We show up to play the game. We're ready to take it to the next level. Each year we keep improving. This year we had 50 volunteers less. One whole group canceled two days before the event. And yet the attendees never saw any of the hiccups. It's amazing when you're focused on improving, when you're focused on making it happen, when you're focused on the why. Why are we doing this? Aha, now I get it. Let's go do it. Number three, follow through with excellence. John writes, I've never met a person I consider competent who didn't follow through. Willa A. Foster remarked, quality is never by accident. It is always the result of high intention, sincere effort, intelligent direction, and skillful execution. It represents the wise choice of many alternatives. Now, that's powerful. See, if we're going to perform at a high level of excellence, we get to use our choice of will. Many times I I listen in or I debate very negative people, not critics, but just flat-out negative, dull, disillusioned people. And whether it's on spiritual aspects, whether it's on business aspects, whether it's on relationships, it's always blaming somebody else when in fact they did not follow through. I've been guilty of that myself, to be quite quite straightforward. There's times when I just didn't follow through. And because I didn't follow through, somebody would join somebody else's team and become a superstar. And I'd kick myself in the butt. See, follow-through is important. When you make a promise, follow through with it. If you make your wife a commitment, follow through with it. If you make your family a commitment, follow through with it. If you sign a deal with another partner, a businessman, anything, follow through with it. And follow through with excellence. See, performing at a high level of excellence is always a choice. You get to decide, not somebody else. If more and more people would take responsibility for their actions, not just America, but the world would be a better place. Over the weekend, a a conservative, godly man who happens to be the pastor of First Baptist Church in Dallas, Reverend Jeffers, Jeffries, followed through on a I guess it's Jeffers is his name, Robert Jeffers. He stood up for what he believes in. 
and it caused very, very high controversy. He said the Mormon church is, by definition, a cult. And he went into detail about why that is true. And and he gave the facts. And instead of the media listening to his words, they tried to create a firestorm between him, the Perry camp, and, and the Romney camp. And I found it disheartening because in years past, from the 1700s forward, when men and women stood up for what they believed in and they gave facts, although it did cause controversy, there was a fair and balanced response of things. The media would look at the facts, not try to put words in their mouth. And I thought, you know, one of the things that we have to do when we follow through with excellence is make sure that we're willing to take a stand for our beliefs. It doesn't matter if you agree or disagree with Pastor Jeffress. What matters, and what I what I found quite refreshing, is that he was willing to stand up and make a statement instead of being politically correct and keeping his mouth shut about something that he felt so strongly about. We need to do the same. Number four, accomplish more than expected. This is huge. For 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 decades, American workers have realized they just got to work hard enough to keep from fi- being fired. And corporate America has realized that we just got to pay them enough to keep them from quitting. So we become this mediocre country where our products are no longer wanted in third world countries, where our employers gripe at everything we ask for, where employees keep wanting more and more and more, and where the consumer pays higher prices. What would happen if we took notice and said we're going to do it with excellence? We're going to accomplish more than is expected of us. Twelve years ago, when I first went to Catalyst, Dalton was nine years old. We went to Catalyst as attendees. And Professor Hydricks, Hedricks is his name, quoted some leadership things that he teaches in his classes at Dallas Seminary. And it started me on this journey to learn more, to be more. For almost five years, we attended just as attendees. And five years ago, we were continuing to pay. But we were just paying and then going to volunteer because I thought that's what you had to do. We always did more than was expected. We just wanted to, to drive deep, as deep as we could, to show others you got to be here, to give them the experience, and today get to serve. We don't have to pay for the event. But we get to serve hand-in-hand hand with the staff. We've learned to love them. We understand their mission, their dream of what it is they're accomplishing. We stood out because we wanted to accomplish more than was expected. It wasn't just about volunteering. In Men in Midlife Crisis, Jim Conway writes that some people feel a weakening of the need to be a great man and an increasing feeling 
of let's just get through the best way we can. That's never good enough, no matter what it is you're doing or how you're doing it. See, I think part of the situation on on how skilled we are at work is the fact that we're working in the wrong place. We're doing the wrong things. We're not fulfilling based on our own competence. See, talent isn't enough. We've got to look at where we're at and say, am I following the examples of raising my competence? If I'm not, why? Am I focused on my weaknesses instead of my strengths? We don't worry about hitting home runs. We don't worry about standing out. I remember when I joined the Marine Corps, my my recruiter said, never raise your hand. Just stay in the crowd. And I'm thinking, you have got to freaking be joking. I hadn't been in boot camp 12 hours when I realized if you didn't raise your hand and volunteered, you would sit for eight hours on your butt, Indian-style, bored to tears. So I volunteered for everything I could volunteer for. And then I did it with excellence, and I got meritorious masses and meritorious promotions. It wasn't because I was more talented than anybody else. It wasn't because I was better at anything else. It's because I did more than was expected. I believe you have to do it with excellence. Successful people cannot afford to have this let's just get by attitude. I'm driving my wife nuts right now. I mean, she is literally, she just finally last night said, would you stop and let me get my life in order? Because I really feel that the Lord has put on my heart that after 24 years in marriage, we're getting ready to go into 25, that I'm not the husband and the father that I need to be. And that may sound weird to people. I mean, first of all, it's it's kind of weird that we've been married 24 years, so in today's society. So I'm sitting here saying, i got to do better. I got And I just, I've just been bugging the fire out of her. So I told her I'd back off and I'd focus on Christmas presents or something and, and carry on a little later once she was more focused. But I got to thinking, you know, I all want to be better in every aspect of my life. Now, I don't want to drive my wife nuts, but this is a passion for me. I want to move this to a completely different level. And I know that if I want to continue for another 25 years with my wife, I've got to put as much effort and energy to to aim above the mark, to be the best I can be, to listen to her needs just like we're supposed to do in business. See, that's the key. The fifth thing John says is inspire others. He says highly competent people do more than perform at a high level They inspire and motivate others to do the same. While some rely on relational skills alone to survive, effective people combine these skills with high competence, and they take their organizations to new level of excellence and influence. I've got some people I'm going to be writing some articles on in the next couple days. One of those individuals, I see do that, not without risk, not without failure, not without mistakes being made but I've seen it happen. So you have to ask yourself, as we're closing out the hour, you have to ask yourself, how competent are you? Where do you stand when it comes to getting the job done? 
You attack everything that you do with, with fever, just passion. Do you perform at the highest levels possible, or do you just show up at the game with a hangover, so to speak, after partying all night, not giving a rip? At Catalyst this year, we shared a story of a professional bodybuilder who was moving up in the ranks, was making the money, the party was going good. Got hooked on crack, cocaine. Soon he wasn't showing up for work, he wasn't training, he wasn't doing anything. Lost his house, lost his wife, lost his family. Soon he was hanging out in hotels, and when the money dried up, he was on the streets. But everywhere he went, he kept losing more and more of his possessions Till one day he woke up and realized he lost his mama's Bible. The last thing that he had to remind him of who his mom was. Long story short, he ended up at the Atlanta Mission. They said, hey, we got a job for you. It's going to be 100 miles away. You're going to have to stay with some guys. It's going to be tight quarters. He went. He's cleaning out an old apartment building that was going to re- be refurbished. Bag after bag after bag after bag of trash came out of the place. They emptied the whole building. End of the day, he went over and he saw a pile of stuff in the corner. And he asked the guy, he goes, what's this? He goes, that's just some valuable stuff. And he, he looked and he reached down and he picked up a book. Blew the dust off of it, opened it up. In a town a hundred miles away where he'd never been. The Bible that his mom had given him was in his hand. He realized right then that he had to change his life. A year and a half down the road, he's sitting on the front row of Catalyst as a guest of Jeff Foxworthy, the comedian. See, Jeff spends an hour or two a week at the Atlanta Mission doing a Bible study with homeless men. This man's ready to enter into society again. He's totally clean. He's out there helping others. And Jeff said, as my gift to you, here's a brand new car. Catalyst Organization and Jeff Foxworthy, among others, presented them with these cars. We see Jeff as a comedian. I got to see him backstage crying, loving on a man, inspiring others. That's the fifth thing. So now we got to look at what is it you have to do? What is it that you have to do? How confident are you? Here's three things to get you through. One, those who can see what needs, those who can see what needs to happen start to raise their confidence level. Those who can make it happen are raising their confidence level. And those who can make things happen when it really counts, they know that they've raised their confidence level. See, it's time that you get in the game. When it comes to your profession, you've got to make sure that you're constantly performing with excellence. You've got to make sure that you're kicking butt. You've got to make sure that you are out there doing it better with greater potential, with more influence than other people. Not because it's a competition, but because you want to make sure that you're leaving a legacy. 
it's time to get your head in the game. You need to do two things. Number one, redirect yourself or rededicate yourself, excuse me, to your job. Whatever that is, make the determination right now to give it the appropriate amount of your undivided attention. I'm doing that with my family. And number two, figure out why you have been detached. Do you need new challenges? Are you in conflict with your wife, your spouse, your business, your coworkers? What is it? Figure it out. If you're in a dead-end job, change the job. But don't give up on your competence. Don't, don't, don't do it less than excellent. Go for it. And lastly, as we close out, redefine your standard. If you're not performing at a constant high level, then reexamine your standards. Are you shooting too low? Do you cut corners? What what is it? What's the mental state that you're in? Re just hit the like the staples button, hit it and reset yourself and make it happen. John closes out the chapter by saying, Find three ways to improve yourself. And if you will improve yourself, you'll start to improve and inspire others. Folks, I've missed y'all. I'm glad I'm back. Tomorrow, do I keep going when others don't? Quitters never win, and winners never quit. It's going to be great. Live life like it's an epic adventure. I'll see you at the top. Be back here with me tomorrow morning for RealMentorsRadio.com.